Hello there. How are you getting on? David here. Charlotte's away in the Mediterranean somewhere playing at a festival and I'm sure she's just forgotten to stuff me in her suitcase. But don't worry, we're both on this podcast. We recorded it a few months ago. If I sound a wee bit strange to you today, it's because I'm recording this in my kitchen because I'm not going to be in the studio this week. But I thought it only right that I record a prelude to say thank you so much for all the kind words about episode one with Jill O'Sullivan. And thank you so much for sharing it all over the internet. If you would like to leave us a wee review wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, say five stars, or on Satan's Jukebox, Spotify, then that would be greatly appreciated because it'll fling us further into the algorithm or something like that. You can get us on Instagram at Still doing the music eye, all one word. Or on Twitter at still doing I all one word. S D T M A was suspended. Uh, so unavailable. Not gonna think too much about that. So yes, please enjoy the second instalment of Still Doing the Music Eye. I'm going to leave you with the calming sounds of the torrential rain at my kitchen window. In Glasgow's fashionable and increasingly unaffordable Southside. Please enjoy this podcast responsibly. What? What are you wanting to say? And welcome to Still Doing the Music, aye? A new podcast that will hopefully give you, the listener, an insight into parts unfamiliar. There are plenty of podcasts that talk about the music and the process, and we will chat about that. But we're also going to talk around the music and shine a light in the bits that don't get discussed so often. We're not going to bore you about spreadsheets and heavy lifting. Although there is a lot of that. We're going to talk to objectively successful artists and find out how they cope with a constantly changing industry. How they cope with having to be an accountant. An influencer. And a manager amongst many other things on top of making music in one way or another. How they cope with the constant devaluation of recorded work and the harsh realities of touring. And how they juggle their other jobs and roles to literally survive as an artist today. Today's guest holds the record for most appearances in the Rutherglen Reformer newspaper without a follow-up gig at the Sheriff Court. She's a producer, a songwriter and owner of Scotland's largest collection of hoop earrings out with the Ernest Jones Warehouse. Her work as half of production house Nova Sound alongside Lauren Gilmore has seen them soundtrack award-winning films, collaborate with the National Theatre of Scotland and the BBC and a whole host of other great projects. Fond of an extra hot soy chai latte, if you're buying, she's one of the most accomplished and versatile drummers on this dying planet. You'll most likely know her from her work in Hector Berserk, The Girl Who Cried Wolf, or most recently as the stylish new tub thumper in Franz Ferdinand. Please give a spontaneous round of applause, irrespective of where you're listening to this, to welcome the irrefutably brilliant Queen of Rutherglen, Audrey Tate. So Audrey, <laughs> still doing the music, aye? I'm a... I've got nothing to say because that was brilliant and I'd love a copy of it. So what what have you been up to? Well, what have I been up to? I'm just back from my first tour with Franz a few weeks ago, which was good. That was a European tour, straight back into the studio, like you mentioned in Novasound. Um, and then next week I'm away to do, I don't know when this will be on air, but um got a few shows over summer with Franz as well. Uh, you can send us uh, a small piece of text and one of us will do an impression of you to and read it out with the most recent things that you're doing. And we can just put it over the, the summer shows, but if sure. it comes out later. Yeah, sure. Keep it current. I'm quite vague. Yeah. <laughs> I've been playing drums and recording. I know, but what's life without a little mystery? We'll, we'll tease all the facts out of you yes. as, we, as we go. Let's not beat around it. The shows have been... Well, I've seen a show and they look amazing. And... You're doing a great job. Thank you. Are you enjoying it? Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm finally doing what I'm supposed to, just in terms, not as in like I was born to drum, which I was, but <laughs> <laughs> but just in terms of like I've been with friends for a while now and done all the other parts of the job, so like recording and music videos and all the uncomfortable stuff like photo shoots, but actually just got to go and play and feel very fortunate to be playing 
in front of like big crowds and everything, especially kind of coming out of COVID and all, all that stuff. I, th- I think you don't want to take anything for granted. So, I mean, you certainly look very comfortable when performing those dance routines in the video. <clears throat> <laughs> that took a lot of gin to practice that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was going to say I've never seen you dancing, uh, you know, without about three amps telling you. Yeah, <laughs> three full half pints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've been out and about, and from social media, it looks like you've been having a great time, and you're playing in front of big crowds uh, every night. And I guess a first, a first question would be, you know, what, what's your relationship with social media like you've gone from having a you know a popular instagram with a modest dedicated audience delighting your drum reels to thousands and thousands of followers pretty quickly regular fan art and a twitter account that posts a picture of you automatically every single hour how how do you kind of adjust to that (laughs) i just find it all quite funny to be honest but um i think it says a lot for the band that i've joined like the 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 fan base is just really enthusiastic and supportive, so it's all been very positive. Like my experience of like the kind of the followers growing and and all of that. But I think you can choose what you want to put across in social media, and mine's is very much like I'm a drummer, I'm a, I'm a musician, and like I don't put much more than that on it. So I. I think I've got quite a healthy relationship with social media. I think I, I know a lot of people that use it in a really positive way as well, and I think there's often a lot of negativity that's spread. But I think if you can try and not that that doesn't happen, and you can't pick or choose it really. But I think it depends what you choose to have in your social network, so to speak. I think can can actually give you some really good stuff like I, I know people that it's um that it's helped a lot and they've ended up making friends and stuff like through social media so I, I think I look at it as a positive thing and I think if I felt like it was getting unhealthy or anything I, I would probably come away with it and I wouldn't judge anyone that, that doesn't use it like I totally get that um, but my experience has all been pretty pretty good and I think that says like I say it says a lot for for the band that the fans do that and like they are, they're just interested in you, like, in a kind of nice way. And, like, yeah, the Twitter thing, it, it's quite funny. But I'm like, well, somebody's set that up. And it's basically pictures of me, like, with llamas and all that. <laughs> so it's, like, it's just silly. Like, so I need, I need to watch what I post, actually, a wee bit, cause in case it ends up on that, that feed. But, um, but yeah, like, I, I, I like it. I like going on it. I like seeing what people are up to, but... I don't like the false nature of it, so I kind of steer away from that. So, like, we, we all know each other really well in here, so we've had some pretty open conversations about social media, and at some points we've discussed that you've started posting photos when you're out on tour and what you wear, and that's gained a lot of traction. I think a lot of people have jumped on how great you look at gigs. Do you feel pressure now to, like post about that or like new outfits or keep up a sort of like level with it a wee bit yeah <laughs> like I think when I joined the band the I was very aware of like being being a wee bit more like not in the public eye but more more eyes on you and I think as a woman as well you're just sort of unfairly but you're open to more criticism than so I'm like the, the newbie, so people are kind of looking at you a wee bit, and female, so people are a lot more past remarkable about how you look. Um, but it, the thing with the posting the outfits was just, a, it became a bit of a thing between me and Julian in the band, because we would take a photo before each gig, and then it just became a bit of a, like, oh, we can't go on until we've done that, and then the rest of the band all kind of started to get in on it. So it was just like a kind of a bit of fun. And if there was nice pictures, I was like, oh, I'll just post that and that'll mark like where I've been. So it's kind of like for me to be like, oh, that's what I wore here and it can help me remember the gig. But now I'm like, I've ran out of outfits. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have like doublers and stuff. So I'm like, mm, I might not keep that going, like the pre-show 
posting a photo. Um, and yeah, there was quite a lot of people commenting on what I was wearing, which was something that I totally wasn't used to. And yeah, I, and obviously I do need to think about it a, a bit more, maybe than normal. Um, but yes, I feel a wee bit of pressure. But like I say, I, I've not had anything like been like, you're a mess or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> It's like one of those higher drama plays, isn't it? You're a mess. <laughs> <laughs> We're in your head to keep the state of you. <laughs> but, so I feel a wee bit of pressure, but again, it's on my terms, so if I don't want to post, then I won't. But I, I would be lying if I didn't. If, like, it does make me feel good. <laughs> like, if people say you look nice, then... Oh, totally. I think your your social media is really positive. I think with the fans, the interaction with the fans fans, and I think that stems, well, not only has it come from obviously like a really loyal, positive fan base, but the way in which fans handled the handover between you and Paul, I thought was really tasteful and positive and held a really good message. So I think it all just started, really. Yeah, definitely. I think it's clear that the guys are all friends. They're all still, Paul's still like really close with them all. And, like, I've only met him a couple of times, but, like, I do kind of talk to him on Instagram and, and everything, so it's all... It, but it sounds a bit cliche, but they do say, like, the Franz family, but it definitely is that, and and the fans... The fans are very much <laughs> part of that. <laughs> That's hard what? to think about. What? The Franz fans. Uh uh-huh. there we go. Right, shall we chat about my favourite thing? Okay, go on. Touring. No, no. <laughs> Please you dive in. I, I'm obsessed with chatting about touring. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess um, a kind of a something that would be a really interesting kind of contrast would be like you know you've experienced touring on a DIY scale for many years, and you know you're your own manager as well just now. You know, dictating your workload and what jobs you take on at Nova Sound. So how easy is it to go from being so involved in the logistics? To being managed all of the time in a huge production like a Franz Ferdinand tour? So easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, I think there's still part of me that I like to know the logistics of things, like, um, but to be honest, now I don't really know what I'm doing a lot of the time, but I know where I have to be and I love it because it means I can just focus on playing and I think mm. that's been a really a really positive transition as well because I think stepping up to do something like this well not st- it's not as if stepping up it's not, I don't think I wasn't ready for doing something like this but like for I've not played in this these size of stages in a regular as a regular thing or anything before but I think the fact that the team are all really good they've all been really welcoming the crew are brilliant like I just need to go and play like and that's that's what my job is and it's made a whole lot easier when you're not having to drive liaise with the venue set up your stuff make sure everyone's all right and then the playing part is like so small whereas with this the playing is the biggest part of it for me which it's brilliant and I can just go on and focus on that and just play and enjoy it and uh, and everything. So yeah, that, that's that been very easy and I've, I've welcomed it. With open arms. You, you don't have to carry your hardware in. <laughs> Do I? Hell. <laughs> it's okay, we'll I, I don't it. even wow. take sticks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, hashtag I, uh, Evans, hashtag Promart. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at them. Yeah, yeah, hashtag ad. Um, so... Yeah. What you're saying is you don't miss trying to fit rototoms into the back of a hatchback. I I still love packing because okay. we done we were on tour like just bef- was it just before I was away with friends yeah. and I avoided a lot of the lifting actually. I didn't notice. <laughs> Your back recovered, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> mine's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I enjoy that though because I think it's like it's a different. It's like a social thing, like when you're kind of doing that. That was so much fun. Come on, that tour was... It was? <laughs> hysterical. It was hysterical, um, yeah. Uh, Drinking Kylie Prosecco out of 
Uh, jelly, jelly cups. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 sounds like a sounds like a terrible hipster bar, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Um but yeah, I mean you can't beat that in a in a travel lodge that um you know, you don't want to look at any of the surfaces too closely. That's why we got, were drinking the prosecco. Got, got your mates. <laughs> got some got some Kylie brand prosecco. What more can you want? Ready salty Pringles and Ready. we got them. So I'd like to point out that you sourced the Kylie Prosecco for Audrey's Rider, but I mean that wasn't quite delivered with France. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I had been mentioning that that it was that was quite into the Kylie Prosecco, so it got it got mentioned to um, the, like the person that was dealing with all the riders and all that, and then like the first couple of shows we'd done of that tour. They were kind of like, oh, I've not managed to source your Kylie Prosecco yet. And I was so deadpan, just like, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't kick off. Um, and then it was in Amsterdam that uh, Todd, like one of the team, came in and was like, I, I, so I had my own room in, like some of the, like to, just to get ready in some of the mm-hmm. venues. So I was like in, in my wee room and Todd came in and was like, managed to get you. And to be fair to them, because you're like, did he even have Tesco in Amsterdam? Because <laughs> it's very much a Tesco drink. <laughs> um, they'd they'd like caught a picture of Kylie and like blue tacked it on to a bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fair play. So that was the only thing in my fridge for for that gig. And then we, Charlotte and I, enjoyed it did, in the next city. Did <laughs> you ha- did you have to change your rider to just say like anything from the Minogue region of Italy? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's good. I might. That's one to try (laughs) for the next one. Um. (laughs) Right, give us it honestly. Would you prefer touring with us or touring with France? Oh, for God's sake! (laughs) Sorry, this is this is this isn't going in, but it is important that you answer. We need need to know how much you've missed us. We're, we're going to have to bleep out a lot of those brand names. Uh, oh. Are you not allowed to say brand names? Oh, she's, she's endorsed by them. <laughs> Kylie, if you're listening, I enjoy your bubbly drink. I actually think we should try and get a few quid uh, from her for this. I put drop tails in. Tatles. We tried that when we were doing, we were recording the first album. We were we were eating tails and we were pure atting them on Twitter. Remember? <laughs> does Barton have a tails hat? He does. Yeah. If we've all got we one. all do. So, oh, okay. So. Do, you get an endorsement? Bart, no, Bart bought a Tato hat and I loved it so much. Uh, and when we were recording the... Or sorry, when we were doing demoing for the second Broken Chanter record, like mid-pandemic, uh, mid-lockdown, but you were allowed to work again. So I got me and Audrey a Tato hat as well. So the three of us were standing like in the cold in the unit in Dalmarnock. Uh, but we weren't cold. We weren't cold. Because we had our Tato hats yeah. on. We were over two metres away from each other, but we all had a Tato bonnet on. It was... I was going to ask, I hope you were socially distanced at we that yeah. time. Unprecedented Emotionally times. distanced as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. They had a wee alarm going off there. Like, uh, yeah, so that, but that's, t- that's, t- that's Tato Northern Ireland. So the when we were recording in Donegal for the first record, it was uh, the Free Stato uh, ones. Right. So uh, Mr Tato actually retweeted one of the tweets that I was putting out there saying they were so tasty that I was going to run away with them and, uh, he put and let's just be clear that wasn't my father no no it was Mr uh, Tito no it's an it's a different spelling an anthropomorphic mm-hmm. uh, spud <laughs> oh Pat Tito <laughs> <laughs> that's my mum ah if you put an O at the end of my mum's name potato <laughs> There we go. The greatest thing to come out of this whole podcast. <laughs> just oh god! Just in a wave of that. How good that was. Um, um, amazing. But, but yeah. Wow. I feel like we should move back on to touring away from crisps. I mean, that's an integral part of touring. Yeah. Crisps. It is. Diet. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge part of it. Uh, how are you finding tour busing? Okay. no again really fortunate I think because not because of Covid but because of Covid we've got 
it's like two buses, so like the band and TM are on one and the crew are on the other. And you're on the other. <laughs> 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 I just fly. Um, <laughs> but so we're in like the the bunks that were that we were in for that tour. Like you didn't have anyone above you, so we were calling it uh, the condos because <laughs> there were no coffins for you. Then. No coffins for me, oh, but okay. I think I was a bit spoiled on that first tour because I don't think it's going to be like that again. But I mean, it, yeah, it's not. I, I don't. I'm not. I've not settled into the old sleep sleep routine on a bus yet. But I can't complain. Like I'm, you're waking up in a different city and getting to play and everything. So it's a small part of the job. That's yeah. It's not a hotel. I prefer a hotel. But to be honest, I've seen you after a bottle of uh, Kylie, and you could easily you wouldn't know if you were on a bus. End up in another city in. after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Premier Inn and Breakfast with Lenny Or Coffin Bunk on a bus I would probably take the hotel Oh Yeah, I'd take a hotel bed over Is that- Bunk, but like I say I, I'm, I'm not pure against the bunk It's just part of it and I'll get better at sleeping Is that because you get the All you can eat hash browns? I always miss breakfast. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> moving okay, on. Moving on to timekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> Is it an interview? What? <laughs> um, what's your worst experience at a motorway services? There was, oh man, the one of the worst ones. <laughs> so I used to drive a little Doblo van, which we all called the Popemobile. Because that's what it looked like. Uh, remember when the Pope came and he, he was in that little... Oh, yep, yeah, I remember. You remember it well, right? So my little van was, was like a version of that. And we were driving, it was a Hector gig, and we were driving, I think, to London. And like it was like something from Only Fools and Horses or something, but like, like the, the smoke started to come out the bonnet and we managed to pull in like to our services and the car was just done in like we'd been touring or well not even really touring we would always just play and come back because I would always be working like teaching and stuff and uh, basically the 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 car was gubbed it was in this services which happened to have a mechanics but it was on like a Saturday with barely any money we all ended up in a the premier inn like so it was like a, a services this mechanics garage in a premier inn so we just had enough money to fit four of us in the one room like somebody slept under the desk (laughs) (laughs) and it was actually like wee Jen that was in the band at the time it was her birthday the next day and I was like oh my god and she was like I'm gonna go in for a shower so we like made her a birthday card like out of the notepad <laughs> this is absolutely trash <laughs> that we had I think somebody had like like crumbled biscuits or something in no. their bag <laughs> and a bottle of Buckfast with four mugs and cut out some lines of digestive <laughs> <laughs> right guys and she came out the shower and we were just like happy birthday <laughs> all in this room and I actually distinctly remembered as well <laughs> That we, she was the one that slept under the thing, and on the telly, the only thing that was on, apparently, was oh, it was called now in Channel Bleep. I'm really allowed to say yeah, no. Channel Four. Yeah. <laughs> they have like Channel Bleep. Like, <laughs> I mean, that makes it sound much worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they have like those programs that are like the woman with one arm or something like that. It was the, it was the it was the man with the giant. Testicle or something like that, and oh. it was just a, Is that a rolled out book. Twits and the James the giant bollock. Oh god, that's what it was like. That's honestly what it was like, and oh. I fell asleep, so I have no idea what happened. Well, I, I don't know the end, know but happened, but it? it was pretty tragic. And then the next day, I was the one that went to the garage to speak to them, and they were basically like, "We can't do anything." And I just remember like sitting in the the stairs like because I didn't want anyone to see me upset but I was just pure head and hands like sobbing just like oh my god how's this happening but anyway it ended up funny because 
we had to get a hire car, so we had to, we're so committed to this gig, right? <laughs> um, in the Dublin Castle, that uh, we had to get a hire car, and the only car they could give us was a Corsa. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like a game of how could this be worse? It was a Corsa, which we had to fit the four of us into, and we were like... And a drum kit. Well, we didn't have a full kit, but it was like mainly drums. We were basically having to pick like our favourite drums sort of thing to be like, what can we take? We got most of it in. But when we got there, Jen was like, I'm just, she was <laughs> kind of, and she was like, I'm just going to get the train back, honestly. And we were like, no, no. <laughs> and she was like, no, I'm going to just get the train back. And then when we were driving back, I was so tired. And Fraser was like the tallest, so he was in the front and Louis, the front man, was in the back. And we were like driving. And then at one point, Fraser just turned around and was like, Louis, are you just sitting in your boxers? Because he was so warm. Because <laughs> there was so much stuff. <laughs> and I was like, this car is just an absolute disgrace. But I paid my mechanic a lot of money and he went down and got the Popemobile and brought it back up and fixed it. That was so stupid. And it... When it cost me about £700, just that part of it. It must have died, I won't really. mention the race, how much the race cost. <laughs> how much, or how many times throughout the journey did the kind of image of the guy with the large testicle pop into you? <laughs> Basically the whole time. I, I could think of nothing else. Mm. Yeah, that, that'll probably take a while to recede from... Yeah, and that was like about 10 years ago. <laughs> Not over it. <laughs> Neither she. And it's rolled back into your head today. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <laughs> one of the one of the other questions that we were gonna ask you was <laughs> have you ever had something go so horribly wrong on tour that it's almost funny? But it's made you briefly consider giving up music. I think that was yeah, it, but, but, I've, <laughs> <laughs> but I've never I've never considered giving up music. Mm. I've also got a note that says I think we should save this onto the future because Audrey is far too positive to ever consider sacking it entirely. It does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So, yeah. Just a wee ray of sunshine in your portmobile. <laughs> I like that. Um, Keep it coming. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that uh, the the portmobile was, you know. Smoking itself, almost as if to announce a new Pope. Well, do you know oh, actually? Yeah. <laughs> do you know I forgot a major part of that. On the way back, we stopped to to see what was happening with the, the Pope Mobile, and I spoke to someone, and they were they were basically like, "You could just drive it, just drive it. It will be fine." And I was like, "Right, okay, I'll drive it." And I was like, "Fraser, you go in the the Corsa." and follow me and we got a wee bit up the road and it was smoking again I thought like, oh no alright and pulled the <laughs> pulled the van and I opened it and there was a flame there was actually a <laughs> flame like <laughs> and we were up here like <laughs> like 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 patting it down and then the same AA guy came out and was just like did you try and drive that and I was like no <laughs> <laughs> no I carried it up the hard shoulder what do you think how dare you If you're enjoying this podcast or would like to incentivize us to get better at it, head over to our Patreon. 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 100% Patreon. Patreon page. Become a patron of the podcast. Head to patreon.com forward slash SDTMA. That is patreon.com forward slash SDTMA. And what does that stand for, David? Still doing the music, eh? Wow. Seamless stuff. So, if you can chuck us a few quid a month, that'll really help us to produce and make this podcast. But if you can't afford that, you can listen for free. We are living in a hellish dystopia after all. What is a huge musical high? A joyous musical bubble... That has been immediately punctured for you in oh. this industry. Um, like it can be the next day. You were like, that was brilliant. And then, oh. Life. Maybe like with the Hector thing, like with the old band that I was in, I think that whole time was a bit of a bubble, like because we were doing so much. And then it, 
I mean, it's not answering your question, but when that ended, that was probably the biggest puncture other than the Portmobile dying. Uh, the, probably the biggest puncture, just in terms of, like, I'd basically... We had the band for, like, quite a few years, and that's where I was directing all of my energy. Like, so any other work I was doing was just, like, I was teaching and doing youth work and all that kind of thing. Wasn't really doing the studio stuff so much, was just, like, producing our music. Um, so when that... Well, we knew it was ending, and we had a few months to go, but I, that was when I had my point of being, like, what am I going to do? Like, I've kind of put everything into this. Um... And like I guess because me and Louie had been in a relationship and that had ended and that ended the band and there was the whole weight of like responsibility of that, like thinking of us finishing is sort of ending this and ending it for other people. Um, so that's when I had my biggest like, oh no, like what do I do now? But I'd started writing with Lauren at that point and we were like, oh this is kind of like working, something was clicking in our writing and then we were like, oh, maybe it'd be good to, to do that. So I think the next step of that was was then getting the studio and setting up Nova Sound, which is one of the best things I've ever done. So it was like from something that felt like quite, neg not negative, but a kind of low point, came like all the better stuff. And I wouldn't have, like, I'm so happy that I've done that instead. Like, I think it's, everything happens for a reason. So it's ended up being better you're, you're such a positive person you've literally flipped that question to what's a huge low that's turned into a big high mm. but that's life isn't it yeah that's, you yeah. need to do you need to go through the lows to get the, the good stuff but it just makes you appreciate it more i know we'll just try we'll try to squeeze some despair out of you but we can't get it you won't get there's it. a lot of despair around <laughs> that time <laughs> you're just lucky you didn't know me then <laughs> do you want to tell us about nova sound for people that don't know this other side of you and what you and Lauren do yeah well you've done it so amazingly in the intro David I thought that was nice but um, yeah so we're like a like a production house we would say so we we, we do production for like a lot of solo artists um, and we the main thing that we like to do is like, like write together but for other things so like for theatre and, and film uh, and then it's just that I think especially just now because we're going through this transition of like me doing the Fran stuff which is going to take me away from the studio but um, but we're very much like in it together. It's not as if like I'm not doing Nova Sound anymore. So I think actually we're going to pivot a wee bit and have it more of a creative space for us and be a wee bit more selective of the work that we do um, so that we can write more together because that's our favourite thing to do so if our time together is going to be limited then we want to write our own stuff but if you are listening <laughs> <laughs> you need recording production mixing and mastering hit us up because I can still do that when I'm away <laughs> and drumming remote drumming shamelessly hawking your wares always <laughs> um, I uh, I absolutely love the, the National Theatre stuff that you did and the Panto stuff that you did mm -hmm. um, in the middle of the, the pandemic particularly um, like uh, the 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 songs were like properly hilarious yeah well like, that's all to that's all down to Lauren rather than me but the thing the, the thing we done during the pandemic was an important one because again, that came from a real low because I, I had just had COVID, OG COVID 2020, and uh, <laughs> shouts to my sense of smell and taste coming back. And uh, <laughs> no, so we had to, like, we had this job on, and then I basically had COVID, and it was the first thing we'd done, like, when I came back into the studio, and it was like, it was like, I'd, I had a relatively mild version of it like it, it wasn't I wasn't like pure ill or anything but I was recording drums and I was like out of puff and I, I was like what is going on like I've never felt that when I've been playing and, uh, and Lauren 
I say to her actually anyway, but I think she carried that project <laughs> a lot. Like I, I did what I could, but I don't think I was I was working at a hundred percent at that point. Um, but it's good fun. Like I think the theatre stuff you can just be ridiculous. It's like there's no silly ideas, so you can just do like stupid stuff. But that stuff was funny because of like Lauren. She's just got an ability to write so well like four things and like she can just write from nothing as well because we've had to do that before where you're just like there's barely a script or whatever and we're kind of like well if we can do our bit first like that can help inform like the other aspects of it so she's very good at that she's also hilarious yeah well, that, <laughs> yeah. that is the thing like lauren's a very funny person and like i was i was trying to find a way to not be patronizing when i was like talking to her about the songs that she'd written because like they, they are absolutely brilliant for that pantomime and I was worried they were going to be like because you're, you're not really you know you're not really what I would consider a funny person in real life because <laughs> yeah she's very funny and uh, but like the songs are like I, I was genuinely astounded because they're like these are amazing these are like proper kind of like hilarious musical theatre mm-hmm. and if they're delivered the right way like mm. we had for Rapunzel you're talking about and for that yeah. we had a really brilliant cast and I think everyone it was like even recording that and the way they had to film it it was all like Covid all that kind of like distance and all that kind of thing so we could only work, work in like a one to one basis with mm. each of them and so could they they were very rarely in the same room so I think everyone was just really excited to be making something again and uh, like I think that just made it like better for everyone basically so uh, but they all delivered like what she'd done because we always demo them with her singing <laughs> and then Liza <laughs> oh, total Liza and then we, we put like the actors come in and everything and it was yeah it was just it was just brilliant and I, I remember at that point again like I say I was totally not at 100% um, so I was mainly like we, we if we were doing something like that we would just basically lift the studio and take it to wherever the a- actors are and, and set up there so I was mainly just kind of working the desk the mouse (laughs) and doing the recording and like cleaning the mics and all that but I loved that like watching Lauren work like she was just so quick like to adapt because we didn't know what the singers were like that we were working with so she's really fast to be like okay well if that doesn't work let's try that and I think because they were actors rather than like tortured musicians like us they, they were really quick at picking things up as well and just being like, right, okay, I'll try that and, and everything. So uh, I loved just being part of that. Sounds like if I didn't do it, and I did mm. do a lot. <laughs> I did, <laughs> I did, honestly. <laughs> the, the panto, Jani. That was me, pretty much. You've been in the panto as well, though, haven't you? Oh, no, I Stops. haven't. <laughs> what a professional. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Um, I've always done a Christmas show, yes. Wonderful. <laughs> that was like a few years ago. Um, Lauren and I were brought in to work on a show called The Tin Soldier. So we were going to do the music and it was like with a director that we'd both worked with before. And long story short, we ended up in it. Lauren was The Tin Soldier. <laughs> And I was a silent character called Sticks, who had a, a wall. Don't laugh, David. I had a wall of percussion made of iron brew bottles. And oh God, that's your idea, heaven. I've seen it really, studio. <laughs> well, maybe now, but it, very good. But at that point, I was like, oh my God. But uh, And I had a line in it, and they, they took the line off me. Oh, what was your line? It was... Uh, this is your chance. Hold on, now. let me just get any character. <laughs> okay, it was. Hi, I'm Sticks. <laughs> <laughs> that just means that you were such a good, you know, physical actor that you people, didn't need that. People yeah. already knew who you were uh-huh. just for your your presence. I did some signing in it though, because they it was like um, I've, the whole thing was signed, and I was there was That's just cool. a point where we came out of it, and I was just like, to Lauren, I was like, you're the Tin Soldier. And you're signing a whole show and singing it and like we've written it and everything. And she was just like, 
I know. Like, <laughs> it was just like, a, your sticks. And your sticks. And I was like, and I am sticks. I've Never still got my glasses. They gave me glasses. I think, though, I, in my defence, I think I was a kind of relatable character for it. It was a kid's show. So there's always a wee weirdo. <laughs> and that's who I was representing. Yeah, like, children love to rattle things with sticks. Yeah. Oh, I was basically like the did guy you play? on. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was my job. Yeah, I played guitar and all that as well. I cued some sound effects as well. Strums, <laughs> strums with the stick, sticks and strums, both me. What range? So versatile. I know. Basically, like the guy from the sing kettle. So we've been chatting about musical CVs, right, and everything that comes with that and all the amazing things that we all get to do. So, did, you, did you bring yours with you? Because we need to see it. It's in this cup. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> in the middle of that extra hot <laughs> soy chai latte. What is the biggest achievement that you have put on your CV and what's your personal proudest achievement and do they differ? I think my biggest personal achievement is setting up the studio like that's because it's not just about like well it's important to have a physical space so is it, it is a job rather than just recording from home um but I think that's when I kind of finally felt confident enough to say I'm a producer which I've had a, this kind of conversation quite a lot with other women that are like they don't they just don't feel like, oh I'm not I'm not a producer and they are, they're doing that role. So um, I think the studio's been my kind of biggest thing. And that's probably the first, I don't know, I don't have a CV, but... like It's <laughs> more of a figurative one. No, I know, but even my figurative one is empty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. This is, the, this is the existential doubt and despair that we were wanting to, to milk out you. Yeah. I don't know, I guess the biggest thing is being in France, isn't it? Like the... On paper, that kind yeah. I mean, this one was a slightly different question for you because, uh, and there's probably fewer people asking, you know, still doing the music, eh? Or still got your wee band? Um, at these days, because... You just love the drums. I remember at high school, you just love... You just always loved your drums. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's the pattern um, you get, isn't and, it? And now you're playing them after Doja Cat at Paris Fashion Week. And just before Christina Aguilera next week. That's nuts. Wow. <laughs> well, you'll need to tell us afterwards if she's actually dirty or if it's just a I know, I don't think we'll get anywhere near her. I'll try. Once you look non threatening enough. You'll be in your nice wee, you know, Hugo Boss suit. Aye. <laughs> Offer her a glass of Kylie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm maybe not sure for that. Well, at least it's not a glass of Britney, I guess. Oh, everyone loves Britney though. Yeah. I know, but there was a manufactured beef between them in the, in the music press. Yeah, but then they all kissed Madonna and it was fine. Mm. Iconic. <laughs> trying to remember that. Yeah, the MTV Awards, I think. Oh, yeah. And then French and Saunders did a remake of it. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's how I remember it. <laughs> Slightly oh. less sexy, but sexy nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, speak for yourself. <laughs> My answer's rubbish to that one, I think. No, it's not, because recently we were chatting to Jill O'Sullivan and she was saying that she was like, the most proud of her recent record, this rock, and that that completely differed from what would be like the highlight on her CV, which would be, you know, like, played at this festival or that festival. And I don't think it's discussed enough that putting out records or setting up studios or doing stuff for yourself should be at the top. Well, CVs, do, like, do you know what I think as well though like if you're always kind of striving to improve and do more stuff then you're going to be probably most proud of the most recent thing that you've done like rather than like even a lot of the venues and everything like probably what I would have had in my CV before would be like support slots like that we'd done with Hector because we like I remember we opened for Public Enemy and it was just after we'd done like a festival or something and quite a lot of the crowd knew our songs as well and were like singing along and it was like one of the bigger venues it was ABC which was a quite a big venue for us to play in and uh, 
I remember that being a wee moment where we were like, people know our music, like, that's quite cool and it was like a good feeling and everything but you're like but it's a support like they're they're not there to see you and it was good at the time and everything but it's even better though if they're not actually there to see you but they're singing along and they're singing yeah yeah i suppose um and that was really cool but i think yeah i just think if you're always like trying to like if you're an artist you're probably going to keep writing you're not going to stop so like you'll be most proud of like your most recent album but probably next year you'll be most proud of the new album fingers that, crossed that we're all writing <laughs> no. oh, that's getting yeah. cut out. or like if you're no <laughs> no but like in with you charlotte you're always playing so it might be like places or festivals that you've played but it's only going to get bigger because you're like everybody's working hard you know i, I don't know i just think it's 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 nice to have that healthy attitude and relationship with your work though where you're like this thing that I've personally invested in and also or most recently done is what you're most proud of because that shows that it's still a fulfilling endeavour I guess and it's still something that you're you are putting everything into and getting a lot out of because it can be easy to become jaded yeah well I mean if you're, mo- yeah. if you're most proud of something that was like 10 years ago then you're going to just resent you're going to end up resenting a lot of stuff that you do I think because you are or comparing it so it's like we'll just keep moving and looking forward so as uh, someone with like a you know a, a relatively long um and also very varied career in music I suppose this is quite interesting from the the way that you work with other artists as part of Nova sound as well it's how have you experienced the rise of streaming to being the primary source of engaging with and consuming music? It's a weird one because I think you kind of need to put your stuff, your music on the streaming platforms if you want anyone to hear it. But it does feel like everything's just, I don't know. There's no really any longevity with a lot of music now. Like it's just whatever day your single or album or EP is released, it's just kind of taken the same way. I think definitely on this kind of level or unless you've got like a PR team or whatever behind you. Um, I think it's good that at least the quality of streaming has went up because it's always existed like, well, for the last 20 years, hasn't it? Like with Napster and all that and Mm -hmm. people just like ripping things off of YouTube. So I suppose at least now I'm kind of like, well young people getting into music, at least they're going to hear stuff and it's of a higher quality. Um, I think the rise in vinyl recently has been good though. Like, I, I mean, I don't really buy vinyl, <laughs> but I like that people want something physical and nobody really has CD players anymore. Like, so I think, I think people want to, if they support your music, I think they want to buy something. Mm. I know I feel like that with music I like. Um, but it's just kind of crap. I think like sometimes the the people that make the music are the ones that get the least out of it in terms of like finance and everything. Everything. Uh-huh. It's like mm. they're kind of treated as the bottom of the the food chain, and you're like, but without the artists, you're not going to have the music. But yeah. It's a big kind of uphill struggle, but you can only hope though maybe it's going to make the live scene a lot better. Like people are more inclined to kind of get out there and if they're into somebody, like go and go and pay your money that way and go and go and see them. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like a wee bit of a worrying time at the moment because, uh, you know the. Obviously, the, the dominance of streaming is being is coupled with a kind of COVID hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Uh, so, like, there are people who are buying tickets for gigs and not going, not going yeah. uh, or people who are just staying away entirely, and mm-hmm. it just kind of feels like a, a an industry that was already on its knees, um, certainly on a kind of independent level, yeah. is now being slapped about the face whilst on its knees. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, you can't take it for granted. Like having. Like, like I've been away playing Charlotte's been playing with Joseph and like been playing loads of like 
really good, busy shows, but it's something that you can't right now take for granted. And I think there's a total gratitude for the people that are going out, but also you understand if people aren't ready to be in a crowd and maybe buying a ticket's their way of still showing their support. But I think the attitude that I have is like when you have... When you become limited, you try and flip it and use it and to find something, I don't know, create something out of it. So maybe from all that, what you're saying, like rather than that feeling of being like, it's on its knees and we're getting slapped about and all that, it's like, well, just need to try and think and work a way of how we can spin it. And I think Bandcamp kind of done that, like because they've done the the focus thing on the, the Friday for the focus on the artist because when you look at it like it's not as if you don't make that much more like they don't take a huge cut but it just puts a spotlight and and basically says look artists are needing a bit of help here and I think that's great that they've continued that so maybe it's just about flipping it and trying to find I don't have the answer but trying to find like what it is and how you need because like it's constantly every industry is constantly evolving so you need to work out how you can bigger your audience and also get money off them. (laughs) (laughs) How to to exploit them. I didn't mean to be quite such a glum bucket there, but that feels like a a good bit of life coaching. No, but I think it's easy to to feel that way. Like, I I, I totally get it and I relate to it, but it also depends what your your motive is, like, for for what you're doing like if it is if it's just sustainability or like I don't know you don't want to play empty venues obviously but I, I, don't get me wrong like I've, I've been really um, I've been really enjoying playing live again uh, certainly um, and it's uh, it's just it's kind of it's wild how varied it can be and I must admit when we have done sold out shows in the past few months Standing in front of a room full of people makes me quite nervous, mm-hmm. purely from a, a COVID perspective, not from any other perspective. You know, I love that connection with an audience and being able to play for them mm. and chat at them. But um, the whole kind of thing where you're suddenly looking at all these faces and you've just spent the past two years trying to avoid contact with anyone, it is quite like, it's quite unnerving. And I absolutely uh, understand and appreciate people being too cautious to come out to gigs because. In the run up to doing uh, like the legs of the tour for the, a- the album, I was staying away from gigs mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, I can't go to a gig as a leisure activity and then catch COVID and not be able to go and work and do these shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. But you're, you know, you're a wonderfully positive uh, take on it. I feel like that was some like really good life coaching there. <laughs> I'm just going to flip it like uh, Missy Elliott. Lover. Um, and yeah, the the band camp Fridays were amazing because like um, I sat away in my uh, wee box room at, at home and just noodled and uh, you know experimented and like kind of went, can I do a song like this? And then put them out as EPs and that's what meant that the second record could get done. And yeah. I love that as well because it's not like just pushing the audience to to discover music and support artists it's pushed you as an artist to write in a time where a lot of people that we know like kind of just weren't in the mood to to write which is fine like that's okay but if something just gave you a wee push to be like I'll see what I can come up with and then you've ended up being able to make an album out of it yeah that was like really positive and like I was exceptionally grateful for the people who bought it because that income meant that the next record could get made as well so yeah but now I'm just talking about myself, and you're our Good. you're our lovely guest, so that's quite oh, obnoxious of me. <laughs> <laughs> and seen. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, going to need to have some audio description for the faces that you're making, Charlotte. <clears throat> well, no, when you were chatting about being creative, there, this is a, t- a, t- a total tangent. But are you continuing to be? You write all the time. Like I'm just finding this out about you. Like whether you're in hotels or the studio or at home you've always got stuff going are you continuing to feel creative and be creative when you're away in different settings now 
Yeah, it's kind of, I suppose it goes a wee bit to what I was saying earlier about it being good that I'm just there to focus on playing, like, so I don't need to worry about setting stuff up and all that. But um, I, I've got a wee remote setup that I take with me. And we were just really, like, between Lauren and I with, like, Nova Sound, we just wanted to make sure that, like, we work really quite quickly. We write together, like, really quickly. Um, and I was very much, like, not wanting to lose any of that, like, because I'm away for four weeks or whatever, and then you come back, and it, the, the adjustment coming back actually has been a wee bit trickier than I thought it would be. Um, but... So I was like, well, I'm going to take a set up and I don't have like work to do, but if I can even just try and like do a bit of writing while I'm away. Um, so basically each time I was in a hotel, I would set it up. And uh, but some days that's all I done was like set it up. And Julian in the band, so he's got Meow Meow um, and he's been working on stuff with uh, like his own stuff like while we were away as well so he's been really good like for us kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and like I think one of the places I think we were we were there for a couple of days like we've done we call it a non-show day rather than a day off because you're not at home and uh, I was like right I'm going to do loads of stuff and whatever and then I seen him like when we were going on the bus whatever the next day or that and he was like oh did you get your stuff done and I was like nope <laughs> so I set it up and then just didn't feel like doing anything and then I put it away again and I was a bit disappointed and he was like that but you set it up and that's something so like don't give yourself a hard time you're not on holiday like you're not you're not under pressure to do this like you're here to play drums and I'm like nah that's true um, so I think I kind of needed to hear that from someone else, but uh, I managed to do like a few ideas while I was away, and I really loved like sending them to Lauren, and she like had written over some of them, and then would send them back, and I was like, this is cool. Like, <laughs> so I think we'll probably put like a wee EP or something out, just um, like of the stuff that we've we've done, and it's just kept us fresh, and it's got us kind of excited to write together because we've had such a busy year in the studio that we've not actually had time to do our own thing like the girl who cried wolf stuff which is our own thing which is great because you're like well the studio's thriving and that's wonderful but doing like our own creativity does should come first at some points and I think we kind of neglected that for a while so I suppose that's a good thing that's come out of us being separate is we've actually wrote, written more together. Are you going to call the EP Home and Away and have like a re- <laughs> look like you guys can reenact like a famous scene on the front of it with who was in it? Who was in Home and Away? I was always a neighbours person. Yeah, I mean that's Which done is just finished. Um, Home and Away, I think, had Alf Stewart, Alf, Alf and Madge. There you go. Yeah, can it get more iconic? Was it Imagine both? Oh no, Madge's neighbours. Imagine Harold. Harold. Harold ha- Bishop. Alf and Alf Stewart. The guy in the like dinery surf club, but big yeah. guy. I think yeah. what I might we could maybe do a like a, a, a photo shoot where mm. if we're on a beach and I'll just get like a t shirt and just like make it really wet, like as if I've been out running. Because they do yeah. that in Home and Away and maybe carry a little board of some sort. Mm-hmm. Chopping. A chopping board, uh huh. <laughs> and a beach ball. Soundboard. Done. Home and Away. I'm sure Lauren will be into it, it'll be great. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's exciting though, that you've been writing mm-hmm. and it's sparked potentially a new EP. Mm-hmm. Maybe even album, but you're kind of like, what's the point in wasting an album on Spotify? <laughs> 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 no one will care. Here's the doom. Yeah, we'll just cut out everything up to that point. Uh-huh. Yeah, just put that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's the point of wasting an album on Spotify? No one will care. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, and I know you've got a busy schedule. Glad you could be lured to the, the heart of Glasgow's fashionable side. I'm so bad. I've got a haircut in a couple of hours. I'm snowed under. Mm. Big day today. Mm-hmm. We didn't even entice you here with coffee. You brought us coffee. Oh, <laughs> I. Oh God, we're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to keep, just so you're kept grounded, you know. Always. Oh my Best God. place to be in the dark. <laughs> wow.
Just so you know how your personal assistant feels. That's terrible. We can't end with No, that. we're not going to end with that. This podcast was recorded for Glad Radio at the Deep End in Glasgow, Scotland, under the watchful eye and guidance of Richard, the Raging Bull, and edited by me, David McGregor. Today's episode was written by me, with additional material by Charlotte Printer. All music composed by me and all. This episode was sponsored by the bird song that disturbed you from your slumber at first light this morning, leaving you with a sense of unease about your entire life up until this point.